Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. This episode, we talk about new SSD technologies on M.2, and we look back at some of the highlights from 2015. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McCain. Listeners of the Hardware Asylum Podcast will know over this past year, Darren has been building himself a new computer. Seems like I've been squirreling together parts for a long time, Dennis, but I'm glad to say that I'm in the home stretch. Yeah. So you've been taking the approach of the kind of the moderate upgrade. But in this case, since you're changing platforms, you can't really piecemeal a cooler into your system or add a new hard drive. Yeah, and that's very true. And that's part of the reason things took a little longer. So I decided to go with a Haswell e-processor, which is a pretty big jump from my 3770K. Right. So you went with what? 3930K? That's correct. So it has a K at the end, but Mm -hmm. we are doing Haswell E, six cores, hyper-threading, 12 megs of level three cache, I believe. Yeah, it's a screamer. Now, it's not the fastest Haswell E out there, but it looked like it was the sweet spot for price. Yes. At $500. So, I, yeah, no kidding. Well, hopefully I get some good life out of it. But it's also a nice overclocker. Mm-hmm. Now, as we've talked about before, I paired that with the MSI Gaming 7, which is an X99 motherboard that we've reviewed. Yeah, it's a very, very solid motherboard. I love it. Definitely a feature-rich board, and it looks great, too. And also, to fill out the core, I got the G-Scale Rip Jaws, the 3K, and those are the pretty red ones that we've also reviewed. They match the motherboard nicely, which is great. Quad channel DDR4. Keep in mind, you know, this is if people are going to be building, there is two versions of a DDR4 memory kit. There's the quad channel and the dual channel. And if you go quad channel, it overclocks differently than dual channel. Good point. Good point. A little trip. So we went with the uh, the Noctua. Now, of course, we initially wanted to go with some water cooling, but I thought maybe this build, I would try not to just do an out-of-the-box AIO, which is what I tend to do. I've got the the side and coolers in most of my machines at home. So in the short run, we went with a Noctua U14S. And what that's going to let me do is have a nice, solid, quiet air-cooled processor while I put together the pieces to build a custom system from scratch. Yeah, we're going to go DIY this time. So that's going to be a fun discussion for another article because it turns out that I've been out of water cooling long enough that I need to relearn that. I also, the last part that I needed was I wanted to get an M.2 drive. Why an M.2? Well, you know, it's the latest technology, and since the MSI Gaming 7 supports it, I've had an M SATA on my previous machine, and I've also gone with a, an external uh, SSD in the past, and I've got a couple of crucials that I've gotten really a lot of mileage out of. But, you know, if I'm going to spend the money to get that 3930K and that Gaming 7 motherboard, I really wanted to take advantage of the M.2 technology. And I know you're more familiar with that than I am because you just published a really terrific review. That is correct. We published a HyperX Predator M.2 drive. And this is one that I saw at CES early this year. And it's the M.2 drive that comes with a its own expansion card. So you can run that on the card or also directly on the motherboard if your motherboard supports the M.2. That's right? Correct. M.2 is basically just a connection. It's like an expansion slot on the motherboard. So in this case, you can run the M.2 drive on an expansion card and plug that into a PCI Express slot. Oh, well, that's definitely more compatibility. 
I, I have to ask, though, I didn't look at that style because I thought there might be a disadvantage to running on a second card. Is there any disadvantage to that? In terms of speed, no. However, the idea is that with the expansion card, you could run it on older systems that may not have an oh, onboard yeah. M.2. Although what I found is that the BIOS kind of still has to support those drives. Otherwise, it won't access them and won't see them. You know, back in the day, we, we as in Hardware Asylum, reviewed an OCZ PCI Express SSD. Oh, that's right. Those were neat. Yeah. But with those, you had to have a special driver because of the controller that was on board, and it only worked on certain motherboards. So there was a bit of a limitation. With the HyperX drive, the expansion card allows you to add more drives to a system instead of being limited by one onboard M.2 slot. Well, I know that the Gaming 7 has only the one slot. So I did a lot of research, and there just aren't a lot of drives out there. And it seems like, wow, you know, it's like when uh, DDR3 first came out, the technology seems to be growing leaps and bounds. So I took a chance and got a Samsung 950 Pro. Now, the 950 Pro... I had to look this up, but that is, obviously, when I you told me about it, I thought it was a SATA 3 drive. Oh, yeah. So this is the latest and greatest from Samsung. They've had a OEM version of this drive around for about a year, and it has been in some pretty high-end laptops. And the word on the street, Dennis, is that this drive is up to two times faster than the previous generation. And really, they're saying that it's the fastest drive out there. So I couldn't resist the lure of that. Well, and it wasn't terribly expensive either because you got it on a Black Friday deal. I did, although I can't honestly tell you that it was a fantastic deal having tracked it for probably two months. But I got a 256 of the smaller drive, not quite as fast. Yeah, but I paid a little under $200. And my guess is that by the time the year rolls around, that that'll be a pretty easy to get price just Mm -hmm. about anywhere. I've been playing a little coy here. Darren, let me test the new Samsung drive. <laughs> well, of course, because I wanted to know if it really was that much faster. Right. And in terms of sequential reads, which is the number that they like to throw around on the web and stuff, the Samsung 950 Pro, it was around um, two gigabits a second or something like that. It was huge. And that sounds impressive. Whereas with the HyperX drive that I tested, it was only at around 1.4. Oh, crushed it, right? That, that sounds good. <laughs> well, for sequential reads, that is. That's extremely fast. Although with the Samsung 950 Pro, which will, when the review goes live, we'll link you to the exact benchmarks right. here. But I ran the Atto drive benchmark. Okay, that's ATTO, right? Yeah, ATTO. This is one that will test the speed of the drive using different size files. Okay. And with the HyperX drive, which is a pure PCI Express M.2 that uses a Marvell controller, which is a typical SSD controller. Sure. The HyperX drive peaked at around, I think it was 15K, and then it retained a solid 1.5 gigabit transfer all the way through up till 64 megabits. But with the Samsung drive, it had a sweet spot right in the middle for medium-sized files up to one meg. And then when it got to bigger than one meg, the speed dropped down to less than two gigabits a second. That all sounded really technical, uh, maybe too technical. So what, is that, what does that mean in real-world performance? That means basically that if you have really large files that you're trying to read off of this drive, it's going to be a lot slower than you would expect for smaller files. So smaller files is like you're... 
like loading an operating system will be really super fast. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. Loading um, a game might be really super fast. However, loading levels within that game might be a bit slower. The slow for a M.2 drive is still way faster than like a hard drive, right? Yeah, well, slow is like 1.6 gigabits a second, which is still faster than the uh, HyperX Predator drive, but not by much. Well, they're kind of in the same price point, though, so that's not a big surprise. But I still feel good about my purchase being really fast because up to this point, my fastest drive was an old, like I say, an M SATA, and before that, the old Raptor drives. Right, and Raptors were awesome. They, they were awesome. They're still awesome, actually. They are. You know, I have been waiting really to see if another version of that goes. And uh, longtime listeners will know that I also have a hybrid drive that's my storage drive in the machine. That's you know, kind of the best of both worlds, maybe, but... Yeah, it's not... got the SSD in front of a rotational, which acts more of as a caching drive. Yeah, so it is sometimes a lot faster and sometimes not. But overall, I, you know, it's been a fun experiment, so... If you aren't really spending that kind of crazy money, these hybrid drives aren't that common, but they are very, very affordable and faster than all but the fastest hard drives. I should give you a little anecdotal background on the uh, testing of the Samsung 950 Pro. Okay. So uh, architecturally speaking, this drive is an NVMe, which stands for Non-Volatile Memory Express or something like that. Okay, yeah. It's uh, Intel came out with that drive early this year, really super fast, and that's where you get these 2.5 gigabit transfer sequentials. Yeah, I mean, those are huge numbers. Even still, when I hear it, it's like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Considerably faster than SATA 3s, faster than the PCI Express. However, it's new enough that if you try to install Windows 7 using this drive, it doesn't have the driver to recognize the drive. Oh, uh-oh. So it reminds you a bit of... Um, you know, back in the day when we wanted to run four drive RAID zero <laughs> yeah. on our promise card. So we had to load the driver so that Windows knew where our drives were so we could install stuff. Well, yeah, but well, that was because those little Raptor drives were little. You couldn't, you couldn't get it like a, you know, a five terabyte, you know, Raptor drive. So you get a bunch of little guys. But you still have to run it on a controller and that driver for the controller wasn't within Windows. Oh yeah, that's so, true. In this case, you have to run the NVMe dot inf you know basically load the driver when you're trying to install windows okay unfortunately you go to the samsung website and all they have is the executable because they intend that you have a system already running you install this new drive and you want to transfer everything okay chicken before the egg sort of sort of but um you know a quick little google search led me to a Reddit thread where somebody had extracted all these inf files and posted them in an archive that you could download and load Windows natively from it. Oh, now that's a tough tip there because I'm getting ready to take that machine and put it together and load up Windows 10 probably. Right. Well, Windows 10 might have that driver installed. But here's the other thing. Um, I was testing on a um, a Skylake Z170X um, gaming M7. Well, not X, but a gaming M7 motherboard. Same one I tested the HyperX Predator drive on. The Predator drive was detected by the UFI BIOS, no problem. Nice. I plugged the new drive in. I could boot up. Basically, when I booted this machine, it said, hey, you got these multiple drives. But when I tried to run my imaging software to copy from one drive to the other, it didn't see the new Samsung drive. I battled with that for hours. 
literal hours oh, trying no. to figure out, okay, well, why doesn't this work? So I downloaded a new version of the software and it reacted a little bit differently, but still wouldn't copy. I'm like, what the heck? I tried also booting from the drive and it kept going to the EFI um, scripting language. You know, in the BIOS, it says, okay, here's all your drives. And then you can run these little commands on it. You're okay. not supposed to be able to get to those. Yeah, that's pretty technical. Yeah. Well, basically, it's a whole bunch of mumbo-jumbo shows up on screen. People say, hey, this doesn't work, and then they RMA the drive thinking it's bad. In this case, it turned out that I needed to flash the BIOS to recognize the new drive. Once I did that, I can install the driver, it can install Windows, and I could run all my tests. It was really <laughs> super fast and awesome. And well, I remember there was a time when, yeah, you couldn't just install Windows, and we've gotten a little bit spoiled because you... You, know, you used to have to press F1 if you have a driver disk or, you know, whatever. And eight, nine reboots later, your system was good to go as you gradually found all your stupid drivers. And I remember how maddening it would be if you got one that had, you know, the latest Intel network card on it because you couldn't get to the internet to get to the drivers. Yeah, it was like, oh, and then also um similar story. You install a brand new video card. And it shrinks your resolution down to eight by six. <laughs> and then you go out to the internet, to the website to get the driver and the website's 10 by seven. Of course. So then you can't get to the link to download the driver. Uh, it's kind of dumb, but. People are getting spoiled. Things just work. So right. it's kind of interesting, not necessarily in a good way when it doesn't. Yeah. Well, with the progressions of the way that the BIOS interacts with video cards and how Windows 8 and 10 interact with the BIOS to make sure that the hardware is correct, it adds one more level of complexity to being able to install this new latest and greatest hardware. And in this case, making sure the BIOS is updated to recognize a PCI Express drive, whereas it really should just work. Well, I, I have to say, I'm looking forward to looking at it. It sounds like, you know, money well spent. But I know for a long time, you were kind of anti-SSD, especially in your overclocking builds. So how does like the Samsung 950 or even the HyperX Predator fit in that lineup? Is it time to move over? Does it have an effect on overclocking or what, what are we talking about for benches? The whole anti-SSD movement was mostly with corruption of the drive when you had high base clock frequencies. Okay. So when you would increase base clock to tweak memory frequency or, you know, minutely adjust the CPU, you would send the PCI Express out of frequency and it would increase the speed of the SSD controller. And the SSD controller that's on the drive, so they get out of sync. Okay, well, speeding it up sounds good, but out of sync, yeah, not so much. Not so much. When you run a rotational drive, like a Raptor, it had a, a different controller on there, so you wouldn't have those corruption issues. So you could run like 140 megahertz base clock on your motherboard, which would start killing like USB controllers and stuff like that, but the drive would stay intact and allow the OS to load so that you could run 3D marker unigen or whatever you were going to run so now with the m.2 drives it's more in sync with the pci express frequency because it's a direct connection so I'll, I'll have to do a little bit of testing to see if we get any corruption there but from what i've heard it's not that big of a deal well it all sounds pretty good to me the future is coming very quickly and like memory when the ddr3 and ddr4 first came out i think we're going to see leaps and bounds in performance so this cutting edge that maybe the 950 Pro represents today might just be the base model you'll be looking at next year. So I look forward to seeing that review and getting a build put together on that, hopefully by the time you hear this. 
I know, Dennis, that this time of year, a lot of sites like to do their Christmas episodes, but they also like to do their lookbacks. And I thought, you know, we haven't ever done an episode like that, especially on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So this would be a good opportunity for us to do sort of a look back at the year that's been 2015 for the Hardware Asylum podcast. A year in review. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the greatest hits that we had there and maybe some episodes that some folks missed that they should look back at because, hey, we thought they were a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So let's start with favorite episodes. Okay. So there's a lot to choose from this year because we do two podcasts every month, a regular and an extra. And the extra is an opportunity for us to cut loose a little bit, unedited, maybe a little rough sometimes, and not so technical. And that tends to be why I gravitate towards them. My favorite, the 56, episode 56 extra, where we talked about the Dream PC builds and Dreamcasting Borderlands. Right. So Maximum PC, we, um, we launched the build section and we decided to compare the build that I created. It's kind of like an all-out sort of build <laughs> against the Maximum PC build and see where some of the, um, you know, what they put in there was a bit crazy and what was realistic. I really liked this episode because kind of like look-back episodes, you know, every big site seems to want to do builds. And so we wanted to launch a build section also, but to start that off, we had to kind of see where we compared with the big dogs. And it turns out that our system is better, we think, in some areas. And in some, we liked what they had too. So I would definitely encourage you to look at that. But we also talked about one of our favorite games. Borderlands, the movie. The movie coming soon. And we dreamcast it. So what is dreamcasting? Dreamcasting is um, basically we pick a character, uh, another actor that we like in a movie, and say this character would be perfect for this role in the Borderlands franchise. Now, we have to admit that we looked at a previous article <laughs> yeah, that, that had the dream casting sure already. Did. Just a little bit. Yeah. So we go through and say, well, do we agree with this actor or do we not agree with this actor? So Dennis and I are also movie buffs and we like Borderlands, so we're a little protective of the license. So we're not going to spoil that by telling you who we picked. Go check that out in episode 56 extra. And that was my favorite episode. How about you, Dennis? I happen to like the episode where we talked about the EVGA DTX 980 TIE Classified and the MSI X99A Godlike. Godlike. Anytime we get to talk about that, I get to have a little bit of fun. And that was episode 55. Right. So we had the 980 TIE Classified. This was a video card that I got to review from EVGA. And I'm going to, you know, later on we have the 980 TIE for the win, which is probably going to kill the classified in terms of its position, it's going to kind of be replaced with the kinkpin. But we talked about some of the overclocking that was available with that card and some of the changes with the way that the chips were bent. Well, this was a great episode also because it gave us a chance to talk about not only some of the technical aspects of the brand new 980 classified, but also the godlike, which gave us a chance to look at maybe the pinnacle of the X99A architecture. Right. And this is a, a motherboard from MSI. It was one that we saw, or I saw, at Computex. It uh, got a lot of press because it had a fancy light show on yeah. board, which I did a video, and that's on the Hardware Sound YouTube channel. Uh, it also overclocked extremely well. It had a lot of onboard features, including a killer NIC solution that would allow you to choose what network connection you would use for certain applications. Very interesting. Something I expect to see in more high-end boards. 
One of the things I liked about this episode also was we had to talk about some of the silly names that things have classified and what it means for the win, godlike, and it gets us to talk about some of the older silly stuff like toxic and uh, devil 13 and that sort of thing, which we're always having a little bit of fun with here around the lab. So that's episode 55. So that's our kind of our two favorite episodes if we had to pick two for the year. But Dennis, you also had the opportunity to do some fun stuff this year, maybe a little different from normal, and that was you did some traveling, and we talked about that. I think episode 52 was a good opportunity where we started talking about your trip. So what trips did you get to take? All right, well, let's see. At the beginning of the year, I went to Las Vegas for CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Viva Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's an annual trip, so we've talked about that one in Lots of episodes. Right. And it, um, while I say I go to CES, over the past couple of years, I don't think I've actually been to the show floor. So this is like the show of the right. sideshow of the show of whatever. Kind of elbowing with a lot of my manufacturer partners and um, finding out what's new. Excellent. So that was CES, but two other trips. Right. Right. After that, I went to L.A., Got to meet with a lot of my friends down there in L.A., including MSI, who I didn't get to see at CES. And also spent a lot of time with Newegg and with CyberPower PC. So I know that at least Newegg was a new visit for you, but lots of lots of folks that you got a chance to visit. That was a pretty, wow, I'm looking at the list now, pretty packed couple of days for you. Highlights from that? Uh, highlights of that was probably um, CyberPower PC. I spent a lot of time with them. I did kind of an article on CyberPower, the way that they build computers, and how efficient the whole process is. Uh, if you're looking for a custom boutique style computer for yourself and you don't want to build it, definitely look at CyberPower. Well, some folks might be surprised to have a site like ours actually recommend a boutique builder, but custom builds aren't for everyone. I also had the opportunity to go to Taiwan once again. This was like trip 11 out of <laughs> like all the many times that I've gone to Taiwan. You but need I, a punch card, Dennis, right? Well, I got a rail card this time. That'll work. Yeah, it did. Yeah, Computex is one of the largest trade shows in the world, and it focuses primarily on computer hardware, everything that Hardware Asylum is about. They have overclocking shows, which are hosted by the manufacturers. They also have, you know, the the manufacturers of the switches that go into keyboards, not necessarily Cherry, but there was um, some other companies that were making interchangeable ones where you could just pop them out and pop new ones in. I know this is a particularly exciting show because not just everybody goes, but also because it's less focused on the entertainment factor and more focused on the actual hardware and upcoming technologies. Mm -hmm. And it's not so, well, you kind of mentioned it. It's not so glamorous in that it's all focused on like sales of hardware and also the new hardware that they have coming out. That's where I first saw the the X99 Godlike. Also got to see a lot of the new Skylake motherboards that came out. And that was kind of a primer for what is going to be available in Christmas in terms of what the product cycles are. Well, three trips this year, very exciting. What do you have planned for the upcoming year? Well, we have CES in January. That was a trip that was a little iffy for me. I, again, want to go to Computex. That's kind of become an annual thing. I really need to go to that. I had a lot of fun in LA, so I'm maybe I get to go there again. But, um, you know, there's also CBIT. There's... Um, Packs, packs. You know, we've both been trying to get to Pax Prime every year. <laughs> yeah, we have. You know, they have one on the East Coast. They have one in Australia now. Um, but Pax Prime is like right in our backyard. 
maybe we just need to buckle down and go. Well, I think we've got uh, definitely an opportunity to take some new trips going forward. Anyway, that was episode 52, where Dennis talked specifically about his trip. And I would recommend that because he gives a great description of each one of these little visits and who he talked with and what he saw. And some of it is still on the drawing boards out there, so it might still be worth a listen. Now, end of year wouldn't be complete without me getting a chance to talk about games. Games. <laughs> love games. Definitely love games, and that tends to invade our extras a lot. Now, we talked a little bit already about Borderlands, but the other game that really captured our attention for a lot of this year and will be capturing our attention again was Dying Light. And we talked about Dying Light in the episode 51 Extra. This was an episode all about Dying Light. Which just shows to show how much we enjoyed it. Now, Dennis and I both played Dying Light individually and together. And to me, that was the real highlight. There hasn't been a game since Borderlands 2 that I've really enjoyed playing co-op together with Dennis and that we've spent a lot of time in. And so we talked quite a bit about that, specifically about how that worked and what the world was like and just a general overview of the game, which, in my opinion, is still a must-have. But there's new news. There is new news. In uh, February 9th, I believe, Yes, there is going to be the expansion called The Following. And this is not necessarily just a DLC. They're claiming that this is an entirely new game, but since they sold it as a DLC, it's going to be available for anybody that bought the season pass. So this is really kind of a big deal. If you're on the fence about Dying Light, they are letting you buy the game and the season pass at the current prices for a little bit longer, I think, through the end of this year. And there's not much of it left. No. And then they're going to up the price of not just the base game, but also the DLC moving forward to help pay for the following. And they're calling the re-release the Enhanced Edition. Right. They've upped the graphics. They've upped some of the parkour moves. They've added a lot more game mechanics. And these are you know, aspects of the following that are being rolled back into the base game. So it's going to add a lot of replayability. Absolutely. And I know that for me, the graphics are a highlight. It's a really beautiful open world game with some really terrific draw distances. And so their revisit to this has got me really excited about going back and playing again. I haven't had the opportunity to play hardcore yet. Well, since the base game will give me chills sometimes (laughs) with certain aspects of it, I'm not sure I want to do hardcore in the same aspect. Very interesting. So Dying Light, if you haven't played it yet, you must. And if I haven't convinced you here, go back to episode 51 Extra and check it out. And if you're at all interested, jump in before they up the prices for the following on February 9th. Lastly, maybe lastly, one of the things that I get excited about when I talk about the site, Hardware Asylum, the forums, and particularly the stuff that we get to do together in the lab is our giveaways. Right. So when I launched Hardware Asylum, because as some of you may know, it used to be called NinjaLane.com. It was a site that I ran for over 14 years or something like that. and decided to change the name. When I launched the new site, I needed a way to attract new viewers. That's right. We want to get as many people involved in the new site as possible and spread the word, of course, that ninjalane.com is now hardwareasylum.com. Right. As a way to uh, draw in a lot of viewers, I custom painted a level 10 GT from Thermaltake. Very sexy case. Yeah. Now, this was a case that I had reviewed and I just kind of had in the garage. 
I ripped it apart. I painted it orange and black, which are the new colors of Hardware Asylum, and then gave it away on the website. <laughs> Not just any orange. That orange is a beautiful Lamborghini orange. And I'm proud to say that that theme has continued as we've continued to do more custom cases, including the build log that's out on our forums right now. So in January of 2015, I painted up a, two other cases and gave them away. There was a Raven 4 that came with the power supply, and then also a half stacker, which was a version 1 stacker that uh, uh, a longtime listener, Tim, down in Florida won. Excellent. I think he posted some good pictures of his build also and has been keeping us posted. Right. And that was the purpose of the, of the episode, the Orange and Black Attack. Which was episode 51. So you can go check out episode 51 where we talk not just about the giveaway, but about Tim and his build. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be the last giveaway we do. Moving forward towards the beginning of 2016, we already have a new giveaway planned. And this one is a little bit different. Yeah, it's more local, actually. Well, we've decided that in addition to supporting our worldwide viewers, that we wanted to give something back to the community where we're at. And I do love a good land party, Dennis. Well, you do have a vested interest. <laughs> yes, indeed. And who knows, maybe I could win or maybe not. <laughs> so we are getting hooked up with some folks here locally for Boise Land 2.0, which is going to be held in February the 19th through the 21st. And I've already signed up to do a couple of giveaways at that LAN party, and we're going to have pretty much something to hand out every day of the of the gaming event. I'm very excited about this, and I know we have listeners to our podcast that are local, and we're very excited, and hopefully we'll get to meet some of those folks and maybe give them a chance to win. Do we know what they're going to win? Well, I know that there's going to be a Skylake motherboard. Whoa, now that that's important. Yep. So one Skylake motherboard. Yeah, and we have a few other items. I think there might be a case. I'm not sure. We still have um, we have a couple of months to plan this out. It's a great opportunity for us to give back locally. For me, a chance to get out to a land party. Definitely, if you're in the neighborhood, come check us out at Boise Land 2.0 while seats are still available. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and of course the forums for a chance at some of our worldwide giveaways coming soon and into 2016. Yes, I've enjoyed this look back. I hope you guys did too. Go check those out. Let us know in the forums if we missed a favorite episode of yours. We'll talk to you soon. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Google or like us on Facebook. This has been an Engineering Production, copyright 2015. Thanks for listening.